Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 387 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd getting ready to uh, walk you through the last seven days of everything that happened in the world of comic books, or at least the things that I re- remember to grab links for. That's right. You're in a daze. Right. I do want to apologize up front. Uh, if you follow me on the uh, Twitter, you'll see that I broke a tooth uh, yesterday. Yep. And uh, it's it's starting to give me a little bit of trouble uh, with speaking and things of that nature. I'm not in any pain. It's just more of a discomfort than anything else. I only have one thing to say, Joe. You can't handle the tooth. (laughs) I can handle 31 of them. It's just this particular one I can't. 31 teeth I'll sit still for, but 32 I won't. Who's in charge over there? (laughs) I make this reference at least once every four podcasts. Okay. And it's just for me. Right. Oh, well, you could go to New York and... Never mind. I was going to do a joke, and it was stupid, and I'm stopping myself. All right, good. (laughs) Don't have a filter, Todd. Just say all the dumb things that you want. That's what I do. Oh, and that's why your life is going so well. I'd say I'm doing all right, you know? You are. That was not, whoa, that was not me being sarcastic at all, giving you a gentle ribbing in any way. Oh, see? You're so sensitive, just like your teeth. Just the one. Just the one is sensitive. Oh, the 32nd one you won't stand right. for. I'm like 31 and a half because it's like broken. Oh, uh, the over-under. Yeah. So, hey, let's get into news and stuff. Okay. Uh, enough of this uh, prattling on. That's what After Dark is for. Uh, lots of shake-ups over at Diamond and in your previews catalog. And even mm. more shake-ups at Marvel. Hey, Marvel's doing some stuff, Todd. I heard. Right. There's some to do transpiring. Some new stuff, uh, some stuff that they've threatened for years, and stuff that's been going on uh, swimmingly for the better part of the last three plus years that they're just, uh, you know, maybe slapping a new name on. But we're going to talk about all of it here. Uh, some conventions going on this weekend with a little bit of controversy, maybe, with these conventions, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, a ton of digital sales, yet no updates on the freebies. Like I said, I think that ship has sailed. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the books that we read from this past week, uh, including Moonshine Number 7, Doctor Strange Damnation Numero Uno, and Mighty Thor Number 704. Also, what we're most looking forward to coming out this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, a dip in the mailbag, uh, and some discussion of this past week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow and like Monday's episode, you know, we didn't talk, we didn't see Flash yet. Right. I can't wait to discuss Legends of Tomorrow. I can't. We'll save it for the discussion of Legends of Tomorrow. That's all I'm given. That's just my tease. All right. So, uh previews uh is going through some major overhauls and changes over the next several months. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest one is, not unlike Marvel, and not unlike Image, DC is going to have their own separate previews catalog. Right. Uh, that is going to start with the previews that comes out at the end of April. 
Uh, so they're still inside the actual previews book itself for now. Uh, they claim that it's going to be free just like the Marvel one is. I think Image does themselves a bit of a disservice because they do put original content in there. They put extended interviews in there. But I do have to wonder how many of those actually move, you know? The Image ones? The Image ones, yes. They were moving when they had the original Negan story in them. Mm-hmm. But after right, that, but that I mean, was because they lied and they said it was never going to be reprinted. One time. It was reprinted twice, so they didn't lie. Okay. <laughs> we'll never reprint this one story again. We will reprint it twice. Right. So. But I know Marvel, I like Marvel's idea. I vaguely, I vaguely remember reading this was the reasons they're free to the stores is they will give you the Marvel previews as many free as the, the most um, ordered Marvel book that you have. If you order a hundred copies of a certain book, that's the most you order of Marvel. They'll give you a hundred free copies of that because they figure you have a hundred customers who read Marvel comics. Right. Which I think is a sound idea. Right. Exactly. So hopefully you're not going to be left with a ton of them. Right. But you can order as less than that too. So, mm-hmm. but DC's getting their own. And I remember reading that the reason Marvel did their own was because they didn't want to share the, the covers to uh, the regular previews, so they went off on their own. And now DC's doing their own. And I think it's a good idea um, because it'll make them stand out. And as long as they're free, it's all good to go. Now I'm not. Right. And again, obviously, as long as they're free and. I'm not this person, you're not this person, but I know that these people exist, that there are people who are just Marvel, or just DC, or just whatever, right? They're mm-hmm. they're just one of the big two publishers, and I'm sure they see that big giant previews, say they're a DC person, they see that big giant previews thing, and DC's not even the first thing in there, it's the second thing, because they do their premier publishers in alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. So I could see that there's DC people that are just like, I don't want to lug that big giant thing home for like 40 pages of DC stuff. I have literally seen people in the shop go, here's here, here's a DC, or here's a Marvel previews, here's a DC one, and, and I, it's not the DC books, but they'll be like, you know what, I'm just a Marvel guy, I don't even need that big thick thing. Right. Don't need it. Keep it. And so, and now that, you know, uh, I know uh, our store and other stores charging for the big, thick previews, um, that changes a lot of stuff. So maybe if you give these free out, people will be like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll find what I want. Right, so it's an interesting move by uh, DC. I'm sure it'll pay off. You know, Marvel, Marvel's been doing it forever, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is going to be weird to have to take three previews home. Right? Oh, I I'm know. Oh. And technically, the image one, you don't even need, because the image is still in, in the regular preview. Right, they haven't taken image out. That's the other thing about it is, it's like, hey, image has their own separate thing, it's still inside the main one, and you have to pay for ours. It's just like, uh, come on, guys, you're better at marketing than this. Yeah, well, you could read interviews that you're not going to get anywhere else. Or oh. I could just not read those interviews. Yes, pretty much. Right. Now, to make a difference... Uh, starting with the, uh, is it this previews? I think it's, let me see where it starts. With the same month previews, when DC goes out, Diamond is moving both Boom and Dynamite up to the front of the catalog. 
Mm, two names. I was expecting a different name. Oh, right? well, now, see, that's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Let all them go to that front part of the book and get all mixed matched up in there. And right. let Valiant be king of the green section. Well, there is one tiny company that's slightly bigger than Valiant still in that back part. And that's Titan, home of the Doctor Who comics. Ugh. I believe we discussed this at the shop one day, and that, you know, their comics sell better than the Valiant ones. But that's all I'm saying. Right. And, you know, and obviously it's a lot of, like, the press release, a lot of glad handing, a lot of whatever, whatever, whatever. Again, mm-hmm. it just means that you're at the front of the catalog. And I wonder if it's going to get a little bit bigger. I'm wondering if because they don't have the two big companies, the three, the two big companies in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, the biggest, I mean, that they may go, well, let, I, I would be surprised if you see Titan and Valiant move up just to give it because uh, the sheer amount you're losing with DC. Yep. Do you know what I mean? That they might need some filler for for the front and just get all the just get all the legit big companies that sell multiple titles up to the front, and I think that would be good. All joking aside, you know what I mean. Or at the very least, if I'm a publisher, I'm changing the name of my company to AAA whatever my company is, so that yeah. I'm the first first thing in the catalog. That's right, four A Comics. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, now the, and the only, the only other thing is, you know, Titan moves up, Valiant moves up, sure. Then Archie moves up, even though Archie doesn't put out the same output, of course. Uh, IDW is already up front. Dark Horse is already up front. If everyone's a premier publisher, Todd, then nobody's a premier publisher. Eventually. You know what? Right. If every, if, if every kick's a super kick, none of them are a super kick. Right. Though. They're all just empty noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other thing is that previews is trying to do and previews I say diamond you know that's kind of my catch all for this um, they are going to attempt to pick up the slack that comiXology stopped doing in developing a software to make it easier to order stuff to get it to your local comic shop mm-hmm um, it's still in the testing phases. They hope to have it up and running, at least to be able to show folks how it works, um, by C2E2, which I think is the first week in April. So we're about a month and change away from that. Uh, it's going to be called Pullbox. Um, you know, it's set to be a free service, of course, through Diamond to the retailer. The retailers have to pay for it. Customer does not. So that's an interesting, uh, wrinkle in it, of course. And they're going to show the uh, retailers how to work it, as mentioned, at C2E2. Now, for me, uh, this means nothing. Right. I'm an old man. I've been doing my pull list the same way for a very, very, very long time. Unless my local shop decides to change all of his ordering over to this, which I could see a lot of really big shops like your, you know, Golden Apples, Midtown Comics, etc., etc., Mm-hmm. moving all of, if this rolls through, of course, moving all of their clientele that you have to do your orders this way. I agree. And personally, it's, I don't, I don't think it's going to affect me either the way I do my comics. Right. Though. But I'm wondering if our retailer is going to pick it up because do you know how I see this going down? How? It is. It is it is much easier for random people to order stuff that they are never going to pick up. 
That's you true. know what I mean? That people are going to see stuff. It's very easy to click something and go, I want it, 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 I want it. It all came in. Your order is $83 for this week. Uh-oh. I, 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 I mean, it's, it's a great idea and I understand because we talked on past show about creators like they need something that it's easier to, to, to click on something and get. But I see, and I see a deluge on Twitter and stuff of these comic shops that go, here's our deadbeat pile. Do you know what I mean? And it's gotten out of control and it just seems easier for people now to order stuff that they, that's the weird way that I look at it, hanging out in the shop the way I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I hope against hope that it, that's not what's going to happen, but that's what I feel is going to happen. So. It's going to be very interesting. You make a great point mm-hmm. that this will just be a way for people to easier order stuff that they're never going to get. Right. And that's what Diamond is going to need to figure out a way to prevent that. Now, with the service, are they going to do a thing where you do your order and they charge, you have to have like a card on file or some sort of payment method, but even still, that's not fail safe because I can make my order and then I can just cancel that account or I can just give you a fake number or a dummy credit card number. You know, there's a million different ways to get around it. Right. Hmm. Already punching holes in this system. I'm not trying to. I'm no. It's things. just it, within seconds of us talking about it, you figured it out. You know, right? Well, I am the I am the scammer of the show. That is true. Uh, so you're going to need these services to get all the new Marvel books that are coming out. So the May solicitations just came out, but Marvel's not even letting the ink dry on those as they've already announced dozens, and by dozens I mean like six or seven, new books that are going to be coming out this summer starting June. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right off the top, uh, Mighty Thor is getting rechristened as New Thor. Uh, or just Thor. It's going back to just Thor. Uh, Thor with the golden arm, with the fancy new hammer, all this other jazz. It's still going to be Jason Aaron. Uh, doing the book, of course, they're doing like a little one shot to bridge the gap between the existing story and the new story. So that's not going to change things too much there. Uh, the ongoing Hulk book, uh, looks like it's being replaced by a book called Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing, which looks to be more in the vein of like a horror book, which is kind of an interesting take because they've tried to do that with the Hulk before. And I don't think really takes I don't either. I I think yeah, I think Hulk works better as the tragic monster mm-hmm. than horror. But I like Al Ewing. He's a real good uh, uh, writer, and uh, Joe Bennett does some fancy art. So you know, I'm already getting Hulk, so that'll just kind of roll over. Now, a couple miniseries that are coming out. They're doing a multiple man miniseries, mm-hmm. and Todd, you would know better than I do because you are a Madrox fan. Isn't he dead? He is dead. Mm-hmm. He fell. He died in that uh, Terrigen Mist thing. Gross. And they said it was his. Like it was the main Madrox. Like because there was that was always the very easy way to get around it. It was one of his dupes. And he's like, it, I guess in the in the story it was like it's you know it, the the mist has killed all of my dupes. This is it. I'm gone. 
and he, he, he dies. So I don't know what they're doing with that, but, uh, that was, you know, I was a big Madrox fan from all the Peter David stuff from X Factor to the Madrox mini to his ongoing X Factor that changed a couple of times over the years. Right. And again, surprisingly, not written by uh, Peter David, written by uh, Matthew Rosenberg. I am going to try it and see how it is, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, another book, and again, this one, I think... Is it's it's essentially a cosmic ghost rider book. Um, mm-hmm. It appears to be replacing Thanos on the schedule for a short amount of time. Well, okay. So that's going to be very. It's still written by Donny Cates, so that's what leads me to believe. And I don't think there was an issue of Thanos solicited for May. I don't know off the top of my head. Right, I'm almost certain that there was not an issue. Um, Makes you almost wonder if this there was a. Uh, ghost, uh, like a cosmic ghostwriter storyline, and then they were like, just make it a mini. Like, or, or at the very least, it was like, hey, you know, this Thanos thing is kind of done. Is there a way we could backdoor pilot a la <laughs> Top of the Heap slash Married with Children, this <laughs> cosmic ghostwriter book? Deep cut. I could have went deeper, but again, that's one of my favorites. That is one of my favorites, too. Joey Lawrence. And Joe Bologna. That is my favorite lunch meat actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not John Hamm. Oh, that is good. He's that is favorite. good. He is. Uh, so yeah, again, this is just going to continue kind of the the whole of Thanos, and I'm sure, like, I don't know if it's going to like just lead back into Thanos, or it's going to lead back into something else, or whatever it is. But I've been enjoying Donnie Kate's stuff, you know, quite a bit. His stuff has been creeping up higher and higher on the must read pile, you know. Me too. And by the way, now I have the name Stevie Gabagool in my head for some reason. <laughs> as, a, as an app, if I ever become a, a famous actor, I'm I'm using a fake name. It's going to be Stevie Gabagool. Mm-hmm. But, yes. Now the last one to mention is a cloak and dagger book, which I seem to remember was solicited like a, and I'm going to jokingly say a hundred years ago, but uh, written by Val Diarazzo, um. The promotional art for it looks so familiar, like I've seen it before. Like, this is a book that's been in the hopper for a while, and I think they were just kind of waiting on it, because the uh, Cloak and Dagger series is coming out this summer, and they probably kind of held off to have the two things come out in conjunction with you. Oh, definitely. If that's what it is, if the book was, like, thought about or even hinted at a while back, they're like, hold off till the TV show comes out, um... But definitely, that that's the way I look at it. I was never really a huge Cloak and Dagger fan, so I, this might be one that I'm passing on. I like Cloak and Dagger as part of the Spider-Man street-level type heroes. Defenders, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, you know, like when they would pop up in like a Defenders or an Iron Fist or a Luke Cage sort of thing. Uh, in recent years, when they sort of kind of back-retconned them to also be mutants. Mm-hmm. I don't sit well for that. Well, you're lucky they didn't ret- retcon them and make them inhumans. Right. Well, we dodged that bullet. That's right. But. So, again, a lot of things going on over the next couple months, uh, just in the actual comics themselves, you know? It's almost like they're getting a fresh start at Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Are you going to do your fresh coat of paint? No, I did it last week. Oh, uh, what? You... 
you we can't do jokes over and over and over again, then I might as well just retire. We can, but I have to separate them by at least four episodes, like the uh, Orson Welles yelling at the recording engineer thing. Okay. So there's some conventions going on this weekend. Um, there is Wizard World in Cleveland. And, you know, Wizard World, I, I don't, and again, I don't want to say Wizard World is on fumes, but it's <laughs> definitely not what it was, um, you know, two years ago or even a year ago, you know. Um, it's kind of tough to, well, so I look at their site, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not a ton of comic guests there. Um, but some of the notable guests is Matt Ryan, uh, your new Hellblazer person, right? Right. Um, oh boy. It's quite the sight they have going on these days. Uh, also, uh, some guy I think was on one of the Marvel series, uh, something Tenant is that gonna be there? Oh my god. Right? Yes. And Roddy Piper's daughter, Billy, is going to be there as well. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Yowza. Right. So, the reason I bring this up is, is because this weekend is the official kickoff of convention season with Emerald City Comic Con happening. You know, you've got big name creators there. You know, uh, Bendis is going to be there. Claremont's going to be there. Uh, you know, one of our personal favorites, Kyle Starks, is going to be there, which I think is super cool, him, you know, being at such a big show. But they also are going to have media get there as well. Uh, World Wrestling Entertainer Lita is going to be there. Hey! Uh, Star of Taxi and nothing else as far as I can remember. Oh, and maybe then my favorite Martian uh, made for or TV or uh, movie that they did from the TV show, Christopher Lloyd, is going to be there. He was uh, he was a Klingon in Star Trek uh, three too. Oh. So also we don't talk about Star Trek on the show. But also in the media guest list for Emerald City is uh, is uh, Billy Piper and uh, Tennant as well. So it's going to be interesting hmm. to see how they're going to be at two conventions this weekend. Oh, they're gonna. It's like when they do a thing where you know it's a sitcom where they have two dates on the same night. They're going to have to go to the bathroom during a photo op. <laughs> and go to East uh, Emerald City and then come back to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say this. Um, as I mentioned, the Wizard site is not as um, easy to navigate as it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, according to their schedule, it says that Billy Piper is going to be there just on Sunday. So, so it's possible. Mm-hmm. Where it does not say that on the uh, the Emerald City site. Uh, mm. Emerald City site claims that she is going to be there. No, okay, so it says Thursday, Friday, Saturday for her, and then Tenant's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it looks like he's just Sunday as well. And that's quite the double dip there. That's what they well, that's what they call in the in the in those days, Todd, uh, work in the territory. That is. See, you were bes- you were besmirching the name of one of those shows, and it all I was out just fine. wondering if they were going to work this out. But uh, Wizard Gun and getting those two just on Sunday, kind of. That's uh, the end of the. I'm I'm sure they're going to be delightful after three days of signing on the other side of the United States, and then flying into I... <sighs> lovely Cleveland, shaking hands with the unwashed masses. <laughs> oh, you're going. <laughs> Funny, I like that one. But yeah, I've I've had that happen. I've had. 
I've had lovely experiences with actors, you know, the second day of a show, never mind, you know, with jet lag. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I've only had one bad experience with someone at a convention, and that's been discussed ad nauseum on the shows. Well, if you know about my rivalry with um, David Carradine, David Carradine, I'm sure we discussed it on a previous Avatar. We have, we have. So I won't belabor the point here, but I will mention, of course, something that I never get tired of belaboring, and that is the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, where anytime any of these shows go live, uh, or any of the folks from these shows are on another show, and they remind me, that's the caveat there, uh, we put it up on the site to share the, uh, I guess share the experience of podcasting with all of you, whether it be this show, whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, whether it be Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Argument, uh, Podvocacy has been doing flick chart episodes because they've been really hammering the uh, Everlasting Minute, the Willy Wonka Minute by Minute podcast that comes out three times a week. Oh boy, the schedule there. And anytime any of the other shows that are infrequent, whether it be Aim Down Sites, uh, Profane, Arg- or Profane Argument comes out all the time, uh, Prodigal Sons Podcast, Prime Defective, uh, Brothers Prob, any of the shows, Talking Gimmicks, if they decide to rear their heads, the place to find out about it, probably second, would be soon to be named network.com. Mm-hmm. So all that'll be over in the show notes, as will a bunch of the links to all the sales that are going on. A bunch of them are still going on. I, I do want to give uh, some commendation to a lot of the publishers and Comicsology for having these sales go on a lot longer uh, than usual. Uh, images uh, sale on collections, uh, Marvel's Black Panther sales, Dynamite sci-fi sales, and the Valiant Quantum and Woody sales have been going on for like the better part of like two weeks now. And it seems as though a lot of the other publishers are taking that cue where they're letting the sales kind of breathe a little bit longer. They still do, like, that weird weekend sale and the one-day sale on Mondays. And, you know, those are our windows, so it's tough to kind of keep a grasp on those. But Marvel, again, has dozens and dozens and dozens of things uh, on sale. They have a wide net of the Sorcerer Supreme sale, which is just a way to kind of like, well, hey, Stephen Strange wasn't always... Uh, you know, Doctor Strange or the Sorcerer Supreme or whatever it was, right? Uh, so they have tons and tons of stuff, both old and new. Uh, they have the uh, Brian K. Vaughn miniseries that he did uh, back in the 2000s, the Mark Wade miniseries, and it looks like they have the entire run of the Jason Aaron series there as well as part of the sale. Mm. Uh, Marvel is also having a sale on what they're calling What If and Marvel Firsts. Uh, so it's a lot of, like, their alternate reality stuff. It's a bunch of collections of first issues that they did. I didn't know... How did I not know that Marvel did this, where they just did a bunch of trades? It's like, here's all the number ones that came out in the 60s. Here's all the number ones that came out in the 70s. And now I do just want to say, uh, there's one... So there's one volume of number ones from the 60s. There's one volume of... World War II heroes, number ones. There's two volumes of 90s, three <laughs> volumes of the 70s, and no of the 80s. So I guess Marvel put out no number ones in the 80s. They were all chugging leftover from the 70s. Right. Um, but then they have all the what-if stuff in there, and then all that stuff that's in those collections as 
first issues are all done singly as well. So it's quite the interesting mix of comics in this sale, you know? I want some of those alternate universe stuff. Two thousand, maybe there's like two thousand ninety nine, maybe some M two. Who knows? No M two. I looked. I didn't see any M two in there, but I didn't dig real, real far into the list. Mm. And then lastly, uh, Marvel is having a sale on their legacy stuff. Um, I guess anything that started under the most recent legacy banner is on sale. Uh, they have a couple trades, X-Men, Venom, Spider-Man, stuff like that. But then there's uh, over 170 single issues, uh, randomly, of first issues. It looks like they're doing what would be like the first five to seven issues of a lot of these books. Maybe mm-hmm. less, maybe more. This one's a little bit more piecemeal than the other. Right. So I don't know if there's newer of uh, Marvel stuff that's been released within the last six to since the last reissue, renumbering, whatever. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> there's a lot of that stuff that's in this sale. So again, all the links to all of this is going to be in the show notes. Uh, Todd, I've talked to for a while. I need to go soak my tongue in uh, ice. Uh, <laughs> where would you like to begin with books from this past week? I will start with Moonshine number seven by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Rizzo from Rizzo. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, from Image. Um, this is basically the story of uh, a, a horror slash uh, like mob prohibition story uh, taking place during prohibition. Basically, the first six issues was a New York mobster sends uh, the character Lou Pirlo, I think his name is, to the Appalachian Mountains to get... Uh, a deal that he could buy uh, whiskey from these moonshiners, uh, these hillbilly moonshiners. While he's there, uh, there's a series of murders, that uh, vicious murders that is probably, as we find out, turns out to be a werewolf. Lou gets bit, and he's infected, and decides to go on the run with the with a local uh, black woman named Delia, and he gets on a train and disappears. So right now that we find out that he's uh, peering in. Uh, Louisiana down in New Orleans while the mob is trying to figure out what went wrong and they may be sending people to attack the Appalachian uh, hillbilly family. Um, I really enjoyed this issue, but I enjoyed the first six and I don't really see this as a great jumping on point for a new year. Um, I think you would need one through six for it. So it's a tough sell. Like, I don't want to downplay it or badmouth it because, like I said, I thoroughly did enjoy it. But I don't think you'd be able to just pick this up and figure out what's going on. I think, you know, it's a long-haul story that we're having gaps. You know, they're taking breaks in between. So I, I would recommend if you if you like the idea of Moonshine, trying the first trade before you, you know, you d- jump into these late this later issue right image always does a real good job at putting those first trades out uh relatively cheap you know mm-hmm. and that was gonna be my my main question to you and i kind of postulated that a little bit last week when i looked at the listing that being essentially a year in between issue six and issue seven um with this being the beginning of a new story arc uh was it going to be easy to transition back into this like before you read this like knowing that this was coming out did you go back and maybe read the previous six issues just to kind of refresh yourself? No, and I thought about it. I did think about it, and when I read this, I was like, okay, it took me 
a minute to figure out everything, and I'm still a little confused on one or two things, and it makes me want to go back and read one through six. It really does. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a good way, like I said, because it's been so long. Right. But you still enjoyed it. It was just a little uh, tough kind of getting in the groove of things, I guess. Right. It was like, oh, it's been a while, but got to get gotta be back on the horse. Right. That's why I only read number ones of books, Todd. Uh, oh. Like Doctor Strange Damnation number one. Ooh, tell me about that. <laughs> Written by Donnie Cates. And it says Nick Spencer here as well. And I'll kind of get into that a little bit myself. With art by Rod Reese. So, this is a story that takes place, I would guess, spinning out of the events of Secret Empire, which I did not read. Mm-hmm. I had very little knowledge of what actually happened in Secret Empire, but they do a good job of filling you in that there was some sort of mass destruction that happened in Las Vegas. Well, Doctor Strange decides to take it upon himself to just use his magic to bring everyone who died in whatever this catastrophe was back to life. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that, uh, you know, has lots of repercussions in that Mephisto, in the middle of Las Vegas, pops up a, I guess, hell casino that he's running but he claims that there's some other higher power above him, even. Regarding this, of course, Doctor Strange tells him to get rid of it. Mephisto in Las Vegas, all the sin, all the deception, all the debauchery, he's in heaven. Uh, well, hell, you get my drift. Um, and then, of course, it being a Las Vegas-themed story, there's wagers, there's uh, funky versions of your favorite Avengers-types characters... So, I'm doing a poor job of explaining this, but I did really enjoy this, because I have been enjoying Donny Cates' writing so far uh, in Doctor Strange. I think Nick Spencer is getting a co-credit on this, because I can only imagine that this was like a story idea of his. At least, like, he had the idea, somebody else wrote it, so he gets the credit, right? Right. Because this doesn't feel Nick Spencer-y. If that okay, makes any I, sense. I get what you're saying, but there is a difference between Nick Spencer on Cap and Secret Empire and and uh, Nick Spencer on Superior Foes of Spider-Man and uh, what was the, the Fix. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like when I read Cap, it didn't even though, you know, he was the Hydra Cap or whatever. I'm not even going to go down that road. There wasn't a lot of comedy in like. That there was in the in in a few of the uh, what do you call it? There was that what was that thing with the the cosmic cube early on? Uh, the town self no not self uh standoff standoff there was there so I see what you're saying but I, I don't know was there any humor in damnation at all or uh, I feel as though a lot of Mephisto's dialogue was a lot more jokey then than maybe it that was is. he seemed to be a more light Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of like uh, jokes in the panels in the art with what characters were playing what games at the casino. Right. Uh, I thought there was a lot of uh, fun played with that. And I, I mentioned the artist Rod Reese, uh, someone who's actually been primarily a DC artist. Uh, he's got a few Marvel credits here and there, but he's got mm-hmm. tons and tons of DC stuff. And I was concerned because I'll be honest, I'm not typically a huge fan of his art. 
but I really enjoyed it in the context and tone of this story. Okay. I'm, I do know of Rod Reese's work, mm-hmm. but it's jumping out at me. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's not somebody that I go immediately. I, I know his style off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. He, like, he's done a, like, he did a couple, like, backup stuff in Secret Empire, which, of course, you did not read, I don't think. Nope. Um, he might have done some of the stuff, like, here and there for some of the uh, more recent Star Wars miniseries as it is. Maybe Mace Windu, maybe a couple pages or something in Darth Maul. Okay. Okay. Uh, either way, I enjoyed this. Um even with its strong connections to a story I did not read in Secret Empire. Um, if you have been enjoying the Donny Kate stuff with Doctor Strange specifically, I, I recommend checking this out. Interesting. Now, the last bit uh, of business, of course, from what we read this past week, uh, was Mighty Thor number 704, breaking away from my usual tra- uh, tradition of only reading number ones. That is this one rare time. Right. Uh, written by Jason Aaron with art by Russell Dodderman. Um, and again, I, I, I don't think this is a spoiler because the whole thing has kind of been touted as the death of the mighty Thor slash Jane Foster. Mm-hmm. This essentially is Jane Foster's last stand. That is the main story in this book. While... Uh, there's stuff with the All Mother and Loki that's going on. While there's the big battle happening on happening on uh, Asgard, Asgard with the Mangog, all of that is secondary to Jane Foster's history with loss, hospitals, and with gods. Mm-hmm. I know it's been said before. I love this book. I thought this was a great issue of this book. This is one of my favorite issues of this book. As I read it, it you're like, is it going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? And at no point am I reading it do I think that something horrible is not going to happen to Jane Foster. Um, like, the, like you said, they build it up with, the, with the, her history and past losses and her talking. And the whole thing is, if you change into Thor one more time, it, it will kill you. And she's realizing that something horrible is happening on Asgard. And, you know, it just tugs at your hearts. Even the, the demon dog Thori is tugging at my heart because there's a gag, like, even in the sadness, the gag where he's going to murder all hammers and he's chasing like the janitor because the janitor has a hammer. And you're just seeing that this disease ravage Jane Foster. There is a lot going on in this book and a lot that just just rips your heart out as you're going and and you're just like this this isn't going to end well. This this really isn't going to end well. And I I want to see how this book ends, the Jane Foster era, and I want to see what Jason Aaron is going to do with with Thor Odin's son. I this book this is one of those books that has been good I, I think you said it earlier in the show for what years? Years. And I, 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 I can't wait for more. And Jason Aaron said on Twitter the other day, he's like, you thought I was done? I've been building to the War of the Realms. We're, we're not even close to done. So hopefully we have a, a, a longer run of Jason Aaron on this book. Now, I know there's a lot of speculation that this is, you know, obvi- I, 
Jane Foster is not going to be Thor any longer. Right. However, I don't think Jane Foster is going to die. Okay. I think they're going to figure out something. Um, I have a theory, but go ahead. Jane, I will say this. Jane Foster will continue to be a presence in the Jason Aaron Thor books. I think so, too. Right. Uh, and that's the best way, and again, I don't know how, I'm not Jason Aaron, I'm not a genius uh, of myself when it comes to these books, uh, when it comes to writing this sort of stuff, call it a hunch, call it what you will, I still think Jane Foster is somehow going to be around, obviously she's no longer going to be Thor, but I don't think that's the terrible thing either, I think, um, how long has she been Thor, that's what I'm that's what I've been digging here. While you're chatting, my theory on it mm-hmm. is that fancy new hammer yes. that Thor's getting is going to be imbibed, or however you say the word, with Jane Foster's essence. That's a great theory. I like that theory. I honestly think they're going to be calling it, instead of Millioner, it's going to be like Millie Foster or something like that. Mm. And joking aside, like, I honestly think, because this this hammer has like, remember the the storm that raged through the cosmos? Yes. The hammer has to be possessed by something and it's go remember when the 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 hammer took the form of uh it was it either Jane Foster or Lady Thor remember when she needed to to do the secret identity? Mhm. And it was that I think it's going to absorb her or something. That's my call on it. But what? did you go ahead. No, I was going to say so Jason Aaron has been on Thor uh since uh what would be September 2012. Right. With some gaps in the run during the secret, or no, what was it? Uh, the Secret Wars, remember? Because they had that mini. Well, uh, if you remember, the mini that was called Thor's Plural, he wrote that. Right, but wasn't there a gap between. You know what I mean? Was there always a, an issue a month during that? Yes. Okay, I'm trying to remember if there was gaps because Secret Wars slowed down and I felt some of the books were running late around that time because of it. There was an issue published whether or not it was on time or not, you know, due to other books having to come out as another story. Okay. But either way, he's been on the book for... Right, five and a half years. years. Right, five and a half years. And Jane Foster has been Thor uh, since August of 2014. Wow. Right. So three and a half years she's been this character. Wow, uh, and you know, and Odin, and Odin's son, Thor's, Thor, Odin's son's been running around the whole time. So it's not like he was gone. Uh, we had the the unworthy mini and everything. It seems like he put some time and thought into this into the long haul on this show, and it certainly shows. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Uh, Obviously, if for some reason you're one of the people that didn't like Jane Foster being Thor, whatever the situation was, you got two more issues. Maybe three. Come back in June. It's the same book that it's always been. It's the same writer. And I think Todd is onto something with Jane Foster somehow being imbued with the power, or she being involved with the hammer itself. Right. I like that idea, Todd. I like the way you think. I, I am a thinker. You are the idea man of the show. I am. I have any ideas, stuff we may be mentioning in the upcoming weeks. Oh, boy. So, uh, 
that's what we've read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday or 5.30 Eastern Standard Time or so, the only time that matters, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're a trade waiter, whether you're waiting for replica movie props, know when that stuff is coming out, uh, so that you have enough money and to make sure that it fits so they don't have to send it back through the uh, new diamond ordering service. Right. So the two things that Todd and I are doing uh, for the calendar year 2018 is, one, what we always do attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, and two, keeping a running tally of uh, how much money we have spent at the comic shop, less, less bags and backs and supplies. Somebody made a stupid decision to figure, to figure out how much we spend. Right, so... It was close. I, I had a lead over Todd by about 2 to $3 on a weekly basis. This week, Todd has pulled far into the lead with his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie Casey Jones hockey mask prop replica. And that's exactly how it's written on the diamond form. So I read things exactly as they're written with no filter at all. Mm-hmm. So have you got a chance to try it on? Does it fit? I actually took it out of the box, and I put it on, and it fit. It has adjustable straps. It's a little tight for my face, and my beard sticks out of the bottom. But it is a fantastic, for what I paid for it, I'm super happy with it, and I'm actually trying to order another one right now. Now, I'll be honest, I thought initially when this came out, you would inform me that you had ordered two. Well, here's the thing. It was around, you know, depending on what site you get it from, around $30. And I was like... Well, I want to buy one, and if it's a piece of crap for 30 bucks, then, you know, if I got two, I spent 60 and I wasted. When I saw it instantly for what it is, I was like, this is worth exactly, like, it's a beautiful replica, perfect for, like, how much it weighs, whatever, for 30, I'm like, I love everything about this. I want another one. Now, whether I can get it from the comic shop, which the reason I want to get it is because I saved $10 on shipping, where I could still get it on Amazon and eBay uh, from the company selling it, but I got to pay $10 shipping. So I, I will get another one, but I was told by the people at the shop that, you know, when something comes in, sometimes they're like, oh, it's all gone. And then next week we'll get the, the okay to order it again just because it came out this week. So we'll see. But either way, I'm looking for another one. At a show, I might grab another one, something. That's the long and the short of it. Well, hopefully you are able to get one, being that you uh, feel it's up to quality. Who is the distributor of such item? NECA. NECA. Well, they do good Would work. You- Oh, they do actually do great stuff. That's why I should actually just order two right out of the gate. But, you know, like I said, 30-some dollars twice is a lot of money. You're slipping, now, Todd. Now, if, if another one comes in, Joe, does that count towards... Or is I, I ordered two that doesn't put one towards the total? You ordered two. It counts. All right. I thought things were going to swing when our local retailer had the influx of Funko Pops. But they don't make a non-bobblehead version of Gwenpool, so alas. Oh, I could break it and make it not bobble and glue it back on. Oh no, Todd, don't worry. There's people at this house that could break the bobblehead Funko Pops without your assistance. 
Oh, okay. Which is why I don't get them. Oh, April. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, looking at your list, obviously the uh, hockey mask replica prop does not count. Right. I'm going to go left when you typically go right, and I'm going to guess the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Mara, Queen of Atlantis, number one. Is not Mara, Queen of Atlantis, number one. Gotcha. It is The Terrifics, number one. Mm-hmm. Second choice, second choice. I am looking at your list, and this usually is the layup slam dunk saga week, but I'm going it is not saga. Is the book you are looking forward to most also Terrifics number one? It is Saga, Todd. Oh, my God. Saga trumps all. Saga trumps all? On another week that Saga wasn't coming out, it still would have been tough. Uh, Dr. Star, Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows is another Jeff Lemire book. Terrifics, of course, Jeff Lemire book. Uh, the Origin of Cosmic Ghost Rider and Thanos number 16, The Lockjaw number 1 by Daniel Kibblesmith, all of those worthy contenders for the pick of the week. But, Saga's coming back from its hiatus. Mm, with Beginning a great of the new storyline always gets top of the pile. With a great cover, Joe. Saga always has good covers. And I hope it doesn't have a first page that will suck me in instantly. <laughs> Oh, straying from the norm, Todd. Right. Oh, at least you're beating me on dollars spent, Todd. Oh, goody. <laughs> Wait till those absolutes start rolling in, Joe. <laughs> Which none of them I bought just to up the numbers. They're all absolutes that I abs- absolutely want. Ugh. What? So, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out all the other stuff that's over there. Uh, past uh, episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. If you're not a Stitcher, iTunes, podcast addict, whatever these things are. I listen to a lot of podcasts, Todd. You do, I heard that. I'll let that breathe for a moment. I know everyone's in shock. But I'll hear on podcasts, people are like, hey, you know, we people were having problems with Podomatic. Where they just decided to change the feed, or uh, Pocket Cast decided we're not going to put the episode up because we des- decided that this episode, which is an, uh, you know 20 minutes shorter than your previous episode, was too long without telling you or the people who subscribe. The only way to get your podcasts the right way, my way, is get that RSS feed, bookmark it. And then feverishly hit F5 all day that the podcast is supposed to come out. Do you have a spreadsheet for all the podcasts you listen to? Uh, no. That would what? be fool- that Todd, that would be foolish. Yes. Uh, I do have I do have a text document on my phone, on my computer, and two different sets of bookmarks for them. Oh my a god. A spreadsheet would be going too far. That would be. That would be a step too far. Oh, my goodness, my heart. So, uh, also, uh, besides everything that we've ever done on the internet existing over at Longbox Heroes, be sure to click that little button there that says store, where you could purchase a fancy shirt or a fancy sticker with our fancy logo on it. And uh, if you listen to After Dark this weekend, there might be a tease of new merch coming in the near future. Tease? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but you one thing that's not a tease, Todd. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry, I spoke over you. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When you said tease, you didn't mean like tease shirts, no, right? No, no, not tease. Like, I'm teasing you. I'm tickling uh, you with a feather. I'm taunting oh, you. Oh, a gentle ribbing. Got right. It. Gentle ribbing like your your pal. <laughs> um, but the one thing that's not a tease is our Amazon click-through. Um, it's an advertising fee that Amazon pays to us for us referring you to them since you did not know that Amazon existed until... We, this podcast solely, informed you that Amazon exists. Right. Some of the notable purchases through our Amazon click-through this past week, Todd. Okay. Someone purchased an external DVD uh, burner slash writer. Ooh. Uh, someone purchased a Behringer Euphoria and then a serial number. It looks to be like some sort of like audio mixer that you put like microphones and stuff into. Mm-hmm. Someone also purchased a mini digital uh, temperature humidity meter gauge thermometer hydrometer. Ooh, that sounds technical. And in my Amazon item description of the week, someone also purchased dry mistat humidor humidifier tubes hyphen set your humidor to 70% humidity. <sighs> Ooh. In the description of the item, Todd. As it should be. I can only imagine that someone purchased two of those items for their Mm -hmm. walk-in humidor. You you need a walk-in around humidor. Like the members of the Smashing Pumpkins used to have. The Smashing Whatkins? Smashing Pumpkins. Not Big Pumpkin, but Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, Big Pumpkin? Don't get me started. Right. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, So... Thank you, everyone, who purchased anything for our Amazon click-through, uh, purchase a shirt or a sticker or whatever new merchandise we may or may not be having available in the next three to four weeks. Right. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes. Legendary uh, person for Todd's Art Attacks, Euronymous, sent in a Greg Tacchini sketch. Tacchini! Touch. Ooh, Tacchini! There you go. That's what Jawa was saying. Um, from... He bought at C2, and he said he was the nicest guy. When I said I wanted a copy, he grabbed it, held it tight, and said, may I please put a sketch in it for you? May you please do, he said. Um, and it's a beautiful sketch. And I will tell you this about this Greg artist. Uh, he knows how to do the most with a very little bit. Minimalist, and that sketch is beautiful. Yes, Absolutely. That's the best kind of quick sketches is, you know, like uh, someone who knows to, to do the most with the least. So lucky, lucky get. So thank you, Euronymous, for uh, being a contributor to Todd's Art Attack. If you've been to a convention recently, yourself are a burgeoning artist, uh, have some pages, have some original art laying around the house, uh, take a picture, take a scan, tweet at us with, make sure you include Todd's Art Attack in there, and we'll retweet it and share your cool art with the rest of the world. Yes. Uh, hey Todd, let's dip in the mailbag from a couple weeks ago. We got time. That's right. Reach your hand in there and mush around and see what you get. Okay. Uh, so I have to defer to a Twitter question that came in a couple weeks ago from Corey Bo Davis, uh, Mr. Corey Pants on Twitter. He asks, if you were to become showrunners for the Marvel DC, uh, on Showtime Network, what three series would you set up and execute? How would you have them cross over and overlap? 
So, I guess he's saying that they would be on Showtime, so like every, like nothing's off limits, right? Right. So you can go, you know, hard R, or you can go, you know, family friendly. Right. Um, and this is actually something that we've discussed in the show. Um, I think Marvel is doing a good job currently with the Netflix stuff. Uh, and I think DC is doing a good job with uh, the stuff that's on the CW. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of take those models that already exist if I was the showrunner type person for those sort of things. Right. But what I would do is I would cut the number of episodes on everything. Since we're on Showtime, we wouldn't have to be locked into uh, the mandatory Network 22 episodes or the mandatory Netflix 13 episodes. Right. If my story only needs to be six episodes, then it's going to be six episodes. If my story needs to be 48 episodes, well, we're going to figure out a way to break that up into a couple seasons. And I think... Uh, you know, like I said, DC with the CW stuff, Marvel with the Netflix stuff are doing a good job of having all of these things kind of cross over with each other uh, without having it be too daunting. I, obviously, recently with Legends of Tomorrow, since that's the time hop and time traveling show, the most recent episodes that have come back, the last three uh, that have come out for the season, you know, the episodes start with previously on Legends of Tomorrow. And Arrow, previously on Legends of Tomorrow, and The Flash. So they're letting you know that these are interconnective things, even if it's not part of a big crossover. Right. Uh, how about you, Todd? How would you do things? Would you do things any differently? Things the same? I would actually tell you the truth. That was an interesting question. I may do three shows and not have them cross over at all. At all? At all. Because the three shows that I would probably choose would have no no way of doing it. Like, when I thought of, like, when he was like, oh, you get three DC shows. And I'm like, okay, DC is a broad company. So, um, spoiler alert, I would like a gritty, violent, Old West Jonah Hex TV show. I would like a Starman TV show. Uh, and I would like Transmetropolitan, which was Helix slash Vertigo. And those three don't cross over. Um, but what I would do is it, you could have, if if Jonah Hex, let's just say, or any show, if you're going to do any three, you could, you could have your version of characters show up. You don't have to have the three cross over, but each show could have Superman. It may be confusing. They could be different Superman, but you wouldn't have to, if I'm making any sense. I think having them cross over sometimes is, gets a little daunting and it feels forced. Um, CW does a good job. I think when we get to Legends of Tomorrow, I want, I actually want to talk about this, but I think sometimes it does get confusing. So in a weird way, by asking me what three I have, to me, they're just impossible crossover. But if they did crossover, I just, I don't know. You, you try to make it as streamlined and easy as possible. Kind of like, like we said, the CW or the Netflix Marvel shows do. I will say this. When it comes to TV stuff, I think DC has a better depth of properties. As you mentioned here, you know, just the fact that you could do a Jonah Hex show, which is 
superhero stuff, but it's the old, you know, not really superhero stuff. It's old West, but you want to throw superhero stuff, you can, and it fits. Mm -hmm. Starman, it's superhero stuff, but it's more of a human drama and personal interactions and stuff like that. Right. Throw the superhero stuff in there. Obviously, that's a little bit more heavy handed than that. Transmetropolitan, not so much superhero stuff, but I think um, something so strongly political one way or the other. Exactly. Right. There's more to like, there's more to mine from. Yes. See, the thing is, Marvel doesn't have a vertical. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? They had some of their creative own stuff in Malar World and stuff like that. But they don't, basically, they're just a straight up superhero company for the most part, where Marvel or DC truly does have some diversity. They have war comics. They have, they have Western comics. They have space comics. Where Marvel has all of that, but you really mostly think of it all as a superhero brand, if that makes any sense. Yes. So. And that's the thing is, you know, with a Showtime or with, you know, some sort of premium cable channel, as it were, if DC decided to go that route and just take all those weird properties, they could do that. But even further still, they can intermix them to their already existing superhero stuff. True. And you, know, you want to have characters from Legends of Tomorrow show up on, you know, whatever it is, you can. And you could do your crossover stuff there if you really wanted to eventually. But you could keep these things all in their own little pockets and still all DC Universe shows. Right. I mean, we're getting Legion of Tomorrow or Legion of Superhero on Supergirl. Like, it's we live in a crazy time right, right. now for comic book fans. But so we should be... It is. We should, actually, Joe. All joking aside, I, I've said this before. There's too much. My brain can't handle it. Mm -hmm. I can't watch it all. No. And, and, and there was a time when, I, if I was a slightly younger man, Joe, and you know, a little bit more, you know, having a little bit more vigor than I do now, I would, I would. There was a younger me would have been. I have to watch Legion. I have to watch. You know, all these. Uh, these these X-Men TV shows and all this other stuff. And now I'm just like, wow, I got to really pick and choose. And Jessica Jones comes out in like a week. Yep. So uh, Netflix premiere of that is not this Friday, but next Friday. The 8th, right? The 9th. I knew it was around the 8th or 9th. And that's so. the thing. That's for me because that is the one Marvel Netflix series that I did watch from beginning to end. That's the one that I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice a little bit, a little bit of sleep that weekend to watch that. Right now, I'm just trying to remember. Did you watch any of Daredevil season one? Did you watch yeah. all of that or just some of that? I watched like the first three episodes. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was you watched all of Daredevil and then some of season two. No, uh, oh, no, okay. Three episodes of Daredevil one, none of season two, none of Iron Fist. Um, you did watch all of Defenders though, right? No, I only watched like the first four episodes. Oof! Wow. I I you ran out of time, Todd. You disappoint me, oh, Todd. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> so Corey, thank you very much for that question. Uh, it's going to lead us right into uh, some TV discussion here. Mm -hmm. with uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So if you didn't watch Legends of Tomorrow this week, or you don't care about us talking about Legends of Tomorrow, then we bid you do. See you next week. Episode 387, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so right off the bat, I want to say a sad episode title, 
where they've been kind of being cutesy with their episode titles. Mm-hmm. Where this one is just like Curse of the Earth Totem. Um, Sarah goes out on a date with What's-Her-Face from the Time Bureau. There's like your B story. Uh, your C story is Rip Hunter goes to recruit Wally to assist him. But our main story uh, takes place <laughs> in them looking for Blackbeard's treasure. And that's uh, Amaya and uh, Heatwave being the two primary ones in that adventure. Right. Oh, Todd. What? What are you going to talk about? What so, are you going to... So we're popped up, right? Mm-hmm. Because everyone who can is not only wearing horrible wigs in this episode, Todd. <laughs> I knew it. Just right embar- the okay, embarrassing wigs. <laughs> then sometimes in the case of Amaya and uh, what's Zari, Zari has a new hairstyle which looks like a wig. Anytime anybody shows up in a new hairstyle, I immediately think it's a wig now on this show. The show just has to be wig triggered. Are you are you wigged out about the show? Oh, so then uh, Amaya has like multiple different wigs that she wears through the course of the show. Then they go back to the ship where they're obviously hey, that adventure's over. We're done now. We're doing things in the ship, but we're going to stay in our pirate outfits and wigs for the rest of the episode. Which is a good thing, because they had to go back in time again. Right, just in case they knew. It's like they knew that they were going to have to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wally goes through two hairstyles in this episode alone, where he has like mm-hmm. some sort of like weird top knot thing that just mm-hmm. all of a sudden in the last scene of the show is just gone. It's not there. Mm-hmm. And the, where they failed, Todd. I a, know exactly where you're going. So go ahead. we all go back to pirates times, Todd. Everybody's dressed as pirates. Everybody's got our fancy wigs on. We've all got our pirate hats on, right? Right. Now, all of a sudden, two and a half seasons into the show, we decided hats in the size of Heatwave's head don't exist. So let's just not have him wear one. What is you know, the show was, anymore, Todd? I the was show so I know, the Legend of Tomorrow show, would just take any hat put it on his head whether it fits or not and just dust off their hands and say mission accomplished Joe I was sitting there I'm like we're five minutes in is Heatwave going to put on a captain's hat (laughs) ten minutes in no he hasn't put it on yet they're waiting they're waiting. Then a, I think it was Amaya threw a knife and it's stuck in a hat I'm like he's going to pull the knife out of that hat and he's going to put it on and he didn't and as the show went on I'm like where is is Mick Rory's tiny hat? No, it's a happen. normal sized hat. He's just got a giant head. Oh, tiny hat. <laughs> oh, all that aside, I like the episode just fine. Um, not as good as last week's episode as we talked about. Last week's episode was really, really good. Uh, this episode was kind of just more of your standard Legend of Tomorrow episode, kind of like a boilerplate episode. Right. You know, we have our mission. Uh, you know, there's these five totems, but now there's a secret sixth one. Uh, secret six? I was secret six was in this, but a secret sixth totem that we know about, but Damien Dark doesn't know about. It's love, isn't it? The, the sixth totem is love. It's Cap Captain Planet showing up, which would be great. Uh, he's bringing love. Get him. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. See, that one you get. love. Um, but here's my take on the show. Right. I did not like their version of Blackbeard. 
I thought, I don't know, I would have liked him a little tougher than that. He was a coward. He seemed a little Jack Sparrowy. And yeah, like and and I think the the uh, the train has run out of track for Jack Sparrow the character, so Jack Sparrow light, you know, kind of hard to digest. Right. Uh, so that I, I wasn't a big fan of. Two, you know, we talked about earlier on when we were talking about the question in the mailbag about how shows cross over. When they were discussing the totems on the on the dry eraser board, I was completely lost. Okay. As to where the totems were, because they're talking like, oh, this totem is with your grand, and, uh, and this is all the stuff as we were talking about crosses over, not only do you have Flash, not only do you have Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow crossover, but there's these webisodes that cross over, and all all this stuff was probably in that vi- animated Are they like vic- Vixen episodes or something? But it was right, like animated because- webisodes? Right, because they said these were with the with the the modern age Vixens Detroit's boyfriend who had become enamored with the the totem, and I'm trying to think to myself, I'm like, where did all this? Ha- I don't understand any of this. And then I'm trying to think if they're going to use there was a totem in season four of Arrow. That's where we found out magic happened when Vixen showed up with her totem. I'm like, does that totem count? But that one was destroyed. I'm like, okay, I'm completely confused. And they literally, like, Ray Palmer just goes, totems. And I'm like, I'm so confused. I am legitimately confused. All right, there's six totems. They have to find them. I'll figure it out later. So, and I was waiting for Swamp Thing to show up with the Earth totem. Uh, Now, I will have to say, as good as the wig work was in this episode, Todd, and it's always fantastic. It's always the vine. Oh, Todd. What? The vines. Were amazing. And then and then at the end they kind of do uh the bride, uh Blackbeard's bride or whatever she's supposed to be a disservice. We're like, oh, let's have her be low rent enchantress and we're good. Right. Hey, but she had goop come out of her mouth, so that means she was like icky. I guess. But my favorite, I actually, this is my favorite part, is I do like Ray has the bout of guilt for shooting Damien Dark's daughter, and he goes back, which I think at that point was a bit foolish to go back alone, but I, I do like the fact, I love that whole scene where he goes back, cause he, and Dark's like, you handle the guilt of, of killing her, and he's like, yeah, true, and he, and he's like, well, your daughter for the totem, and Dark just throws the totem, before he even finishes the sentence. And he's like, I thought that would have been a lot harder. And he's like, it's my daughter. And I'm like, and, and that's the kind of stuff that I love for a villain. An over-the-top, you know, mustache-twirling villain. But it's still like, hey, this is my daughter. And it gives him a, it gives him depth instead of just like, you know, the wacky, wisecracking, just murderous guy. That whole end scene, I really like, other than the fact that Ray was kind of really stupid about the way he did it. Right, Ray. Um, I don't know what's going on, with Ray. A lot of um, big mistakes being made. Right. I don't know, but yes, I did like. Uh, this has been the best Damien Dark has been. He was able to kind of walk the line between scenery chewing villain with awesome cornball lines to being a nuanced character at the end of the episode. Right, of caring father at at least. Right. So, a good episode, not a great episode. Like I said, standard boilerplate episode of Legend of Tomorrow, which is not a bad thing. No. 
Oh, that was one last thing I do want to talk about is the fact that your super time traveling ship from the future gets whacked out by cannonballs. Mm-hmm. That was fun too. Well, they were in the Bermuda Triangle, Todd, so they were a week or something. The Devil's Triangle, good sir. All right, thanks. it was the Bermuda, but that's what the pirates called the Bermuda Triangle. Oh goodness! All right. So many great wigs, though. So many. It was, like I said, it was a wig palooza. <laughs> it was. This is the Emmy-winning uh, wig work that right, they're going to get. <laughs> when they have the production awards filmed <laughs> on a different location earlier in the day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is like clip. They're gonna, this is going to be the episode they show, one. And then, mm-hmm. two, I'm sure there's some sort of number cruncher, some sort of bean counter at CW. Who came in while they were doing production on this episode. And he's like, guys, what are you doing? We just blew the entire wig budget on one episode. And then all at once, a record scratches. And everyone looks and says, we have a budget for wigs? Right. My favorite part is earlier in the day during the Emmys, when Clint Howard gives out the award for wig work to Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, And Mick Rory shows up in a tiny hat to accept it. No, he wears the Emmy as a hat. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Th- is there anything else? Anything else that we have to... Uh... No, I want to end on wigs. All right, good. So, uh, thank you everyone for listening to episode 387 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.